get out our Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 4, and get ready for some good stuff from the Word of God today. Uh, we're working our way <clears throat> through the book of Acts. Today's an exciting day, amen? Uh, obviously, coming to church is always exciting. Somehow, I, I thought coming to church was boring as a kid. <laughs> Not anymore. We love church. It's so fun to be together. Um, but also, this afternoon, after church, we have a Holy Spirit class, which we're excited about. And then there's also a crown class, which we're excited about. But we're probably most excited at 4.15. We're going to see two people baptized into Christ. Amen. <laughs> Cassie Kalpin and Alec Barberg is going to be baptized into Christ. Alec is uh, meeting or going to church in the cities with his folks uh, who are uh, uh, disciples in our sister church in Minneapolis. Well, you guys know the Barbergs. And uh, so then they're all coming over this afternoon. So that's exciting. All right. Let's get into the Word of God here. Acts chapter 4. thought Tim uh, Bernicke did an amazing job last week. Uh, uh, expounding on Acts chapter 3. So we're going to cover about uh, three-fourths of chapter 4 today, verses 1 through 31, hopefully. And um, hopefully it's encouraging uh, to us. You know, um, one of the most common struggles I believe we face as disciples is the struggle of timidity. Are you with me? Um it's one of uh, the tricks that Satan has used uh, ever since the people of God and the will of God has been around, uh, and he tricks our minds into thinking that to, help, to get us to see ourselves as small and to see others as large. You with me there? And uh, I, I remember um, as, a, as a little kid... I was very small, I was super skinny, like I still am today, that was a joke, uh, and uh, I was just super short, I was one of the shortest kids in my class up until I was about a junior in high school, I didn't really grow, and I was just constantly feeling intimidated, um, and, but I had, I had a, a secret weapon in my corner and in my heart, my dad was 6'5", 250 pounds. So he was a large man. And uh, if I was just with my dad, I no longer felt timid. As a matter of fact, it was amazing how courageous I got knowing whom was behind me. Come on. Okay. But uh, uh, Satan tries to trick us to get intimidated. You know, Numbers chapter 13, verse 33, the Israelites, when exploring the land of Canaan, in their fear and doubt, looked at the Nephilim, looked at the enemy, and said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. It's interesting how they knew how they looked to the enemy. How did they know? But they were intimidated, right? They were intimidated, and they were afraid, and therefore they held back. So today we're going to be talking about... Um, Going from ordinary or intimidated to emboldened. We're talking about the Holy Spirit's power 
in us. And hopefully you've, that rings a bell, because that's like our theme for the year. Our theme for the year as a church is ordinary to embolden the Spirit's power in us. And this is the text where that comes from. Amen? So uh, um, my goal with us at, by the end of this message is that we will walk out of here emboldened by God for God. Emboldened by God for God. So, so far in the book of Acts, we see Jesus uh, ascend into heaven. Uh, the Spirit poured out uh, on the apostles. 3,000 people baptized into Christ in one day. Uh, they completely devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread into prayer. Chapter 3, we see one of the first physical miraculous signs of the Spirit being with the apostles, and this is the healing of the man crippled from birth, whom everyone knew as, knew as a cripple, and, and yet now they see him walking and jumping and leaping and praising God. That's chapter 3. Now Satan, whenever there's a movement, movements of God, whenever there's growth, whenever there is victory, guess what happens? Satan's like, I am not down with that. And so he attacks. Have you ever had that experience in your personal life? You make a decision, you know what? I'm going to get up early and study my Bible. And then what happens? You get sick. Or something like that, you know? Uh, uh, whenever there's, uh, and then we see this individual, we see this corporately too. We see God move in the church. And then what happens? There's something that, that goes on that where Satan is, is fighting against God. See, we're not in this, this is not just a physical realm. There's a spiritual forces of evil and good. And they're at war with one another. And it will always be that way until Jesus returns, the forces of evil will go to where they belong, and there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more death, no more pain, and we will live in peace and love and freedom for all eternity if you decide while you're alive to get yourself into Christ. Amen? Can I get a witness from the congregation? I can't wait for that day. Amen. It's going to be awesome. But in the meantime, it's going to be a struggle. And we shouldn't expect anything differently. So here we see in Acts chapter 4, Satan up to his old tricks again, trying to intimidate and instill fear into the people of God, starting with the leaders. And so we're going to read. I want to read 1 through 31 all the way through. And we'll go back and we'll break it down. Let's say a prayer, though, before we get into the Word. Father, we want to ask for boldness. God, we, we are timid. We're afraid. We struggle in our flesh with holding back, with being ashamed. We confess. We apologize. But we need your Spirit to fill us with all love and confidence and faithfulness and boldness. Father, we know that following you takes courage. Father, we know your message uh, uh, demands courage as we hold it out to a world that is greatly disturbed by who you are and what your message is and what your will is. Father, uh, be with us. We need you. Uh, help us to listen with ears that not just are hearing, uh, but 
not really taking it to heart. Help us to turn our ears, our minds on, open our hearts, get rid of the, the distractions, get rid of the other thoughts that are going on about later today, and really be present as we hear you speak to us through your word this morning. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised, raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage or the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin They conferred and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking but what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Old man, he was old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, 
our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand again, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Oh, yeah! Oh, man! Jesus, Peter and John, the people of God, that's the team I want to be on. Amen? Oh, so good. They're not intimidated. They knew who really God was, and they knew what their mission was. Okay, let's break this down. Point number one is this trial of intimidation, but point number two is this prayer of boldness. Okay, this trial of intimidation says that the, the Sanhedrin were greatly disturbed. Why? Because they were preaching the resurrection of the dead. See, the Sadducees didn't believe in a bodily resurrection, okay? And yet the apostles were claiming that this Jesus was dead as a doornail. He was a goner. He was dead, dead, not just went into a swoon, not just kind of had a coma. He was dead, and he was buried for a number of days. And yet, by the power of God, he was raised from the dead, and he was physically alive. He had overcome death. He had passed through death. And the life of God was breathed into him again. And so they were greatly disturbed. You know what? God is greatly disturbing to the world. The will of God, the word of God, the power of God, it is greatly disturbing. Let it not be that the church of God try to fit in with the world. Never, ever. It's never been that way. It's not that way now, and it's never going to be that way. If you want to fit in the world, then don't come to the people of God. Okay? It's disturbing. They saw the apostles as agitators, heretics, disturbers of the peace, and enemies of the truth. That's how they saw them. But who really was the enemy of the truth? See, we're so into every... In my flesh, I just want everyone to get along. I want everyone to like me. I, 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 I want to be accepted, approved of, liked, uh, thought highly of. Oh, have you heard of that? That, that Joel Pete? Oh, man, he's such a good guy, right? Have you heard of that Chippewa Valley Church? Oh, they're so good. They do, so, they do such good things. They're such a nice group of people, so kind and loving. We, on one hand, that's, that's good, right? But we better make sure that on the other hand, we are greatly disturbing. Greatly disturbing. Amen? Okay. Um, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. How, what have we come to bring? 
Amen? By what power? So then they say, what, who do you think you are? In essence is what they're saying. We're the people of God. We're the religious leaders. You have no authority. By what power or what authority have you done such a thing? And, well, and Peter's like, um, now let me get this straight. You're coming after my rear end because of what great wrong have I done? Oh, yeah, I know. Healed a cripple. It's amazing to me, especially with the campus ministry. And we, uh, we love our college students, amen? And it's amazing to me that uh, when I was a college student, the things I was involved not just involved in, but a strong promoter of before I was a disciple. Partying, drinking, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I mean, right? Child of the 80s. Okay? I know I'm a, that was kind of a joke. 70s, 80s. But, okay, 60s. But man, I, I, I was not holding back my sinful nature nor trying to get others to join me. Are you with me there? And yet, when I changed and became a disciple and started following Jesus and started to not hold back and getting people to follow Jesus instead of Satan, it's interesting how my parents started freaking out. And it's like, wait a second, Mom, Dad, do you actually realize what I was doing before I got into the church? <laughs> and now that I'm in the church what I'm actually doing now, because they were greatly disturbed. It's like, I think, Mom and Dad, your little angel actually has a dark side to it. And, uh, yeah, anyway, you get my drift? Okay. Um, so Peter was like, I'll tell you by what power and authority. I got one word answer. Jesus. That's the power. That's the authority. That's who we're doing this in the name of. And by the way, whom you crucified. Do you guys remember? Uh, this is the third time he's, he, he, he's reminded them. And I don't think it was a reminding of self-righteousness. Whom you crucified, idiots. The reason I don't think that is because a few chapters later, the Bible records that many priests, many of these priests became obedient to the faith. In other words, they became disciples. And most of the time, people don't respond real well to some self-righteous, snarky, little I'm better than you type of attitude from the messenger. Right? I think it's more of, listen, and he even says in chapter 2, I know you acted in ignorance. I know, we know that you crucified Jesus. But God raised him from the dead. It's like the field goal kicker who misses the winning field goal. But then the team won anyway. How does the field goal kicker feel? Oh, so relieved. Thank you, quarterback, for throwing that miracle touchdown pass. Okay? Not that that ever happened in my world, but uh, uh, that's okay. I'm a Christian. Um, okay, but uh, uh, um, so uh, lost, lost my train of thought. Um, so I think there, it was a message of compassion. See, 
the truth about the fact that we're, we've sinned is not a message of judgment and condemnation and self-righteousness. It's a message of compassion. We've all sinned, and we have a Savior. Amen? That's what he was trying to communicate to them. But God raised them from the dead. That's, that's actually good news, because if you get into Christ, you can be forgiven. Okay. Um, and then he says, verse 12, a very... Uh, something that ought to disturb our world today. Salvation is found in no one else. It's just, it's not found anywhere else. As much as I would love for us to all get along and for all the world religions, as long as we're sincere in those religions, then it's the same God and we'll just all go to our own separate little heavens. I would love, love, love that. But that's not the truth, is it? Only in the name of Jesus is salvation found. Okay? Um, and so, so he responds, and there, these guys are blown away. It says, when they saw the church. And by the way, it was this same high priest, Anas, Caiaphas, the same priest which Jesus stood before in the same spot, not that many months before, probably a few months, maybe three months and Peter, where was Peter at, at, at that moment? He was outside denying Jesus to this incredibly intimidating little servant girl. That's where Jesus was at. You say, boy, this boldness thing, I'm just so timid. You know what? Maybe that was the past, but that doesn't have to be what it means going forward. Because Peter didn't let his past dictate his future. Right? He processed that. He wept over that. He was forgiven. He was reinstated. And he was given the Holy Spirit. And now he stands in the same spot that Jesus stood, thinking, how could he not be thinking, I'm a goner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand, and I'm going to get crucified, just like Jesus did. What would be any different? Okay? But he did it. He took a stand. He said, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to wimp out again. And uh, these guys are like, Wow. And they saw his courage. That's our word, parisia, boldness, not holding back. They saw this, not, and they thought, you know what? We've seen that spirit before, right? And who did they see that spirit in? Jesus. It's like, we've seen this before. I wonder when people see and feel our spirit, are they drawn to us or are they drawn to Jesus? I hope it's Jesus, Okay. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, these guys were in trouble now. They were trapped in people-pleasing. They wanted to stop this, and yet the 40-year-old cripple was standing there, leaping up and down with strong ankles. Okay, here he is. So they, they hated these guys, and then they looked at this crippled, and they're like, eh. the crowd is praising God. Like, ah, the crowd's all for them, but we're against them because they are threatening our power. They're threatening our message, and they're trapped in people-pleasing. Whenever we get people-pleasing, it traps us, and the fear produces timidity, okay? We're afraid to get rejected, right? We don't want to be rejected by man or by woman, by our peers, by our friends, by our enemies. We don't want to get rejected. We don't want to look dumb. We don't want to be laughed at. We don't want to be wrong, and all these are rooted, and we're trying to save our life, okay? 
Um, I want us to read in Mark chapter 8. Let's go over to Mark chapter 8. Jesus knew this was coming. And so he prepared Peter and John and the apostles. And he made some statements of truth that are true to this day that we're going to talk about. Mark 8, 31. It says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. This is right after Peter's confession of Christ. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. I believe. And so this is a turning point in the book of Mark. From this point on, he's like, Amen. I'm glad you believe. Now get ready to get some pain coming your way because there's a struggle. Must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. Who do you think Jesus had in mind? These same chief priests, these same elders, the same Sanhedrin of the Jews. That he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly. Guess what? There's our word. He spoke parisia. He spoke without holding back. He spoke with boldness. He spoke plainly. He was totally open with the, the apostles. He spoke plainly about this. Uh, um, uh, verse 32, and, and Peter took him aside and began to encourage him. <laughs> he said, well, hey man, I'm with your heart. And so, began to re, uh, rebuke him. I just love that Peter, at least he's honest, right? Jesus, Jesus says, hey, you got some suffering coming your way. And we're like, okay, whatever, you, your will be done. And then we fight our suffering tooth and nail and whine and complain and, 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 right about it, okay? Uh, uh, at least Peter was honest. But then Jesus was honest with Peter. When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You're struggling with your people pleasing, and you're trapped. You want to follow me, but you're trapped in the approval of man. Then he called the crowd to him, because it's such an important point. He called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I got a cross a-coming. And so do you. And if you're not willing to do this, you cannot be a disciple. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. See, these people pleasing is we're trying to we have we're trying to save our life. See, the fear of man produces timidity, but the fear of God produces boldness. You know what? I'm not gonna, I don't care about being rejected by the world anyway. You want to know why? Because I've already rejected the world when I chose Jesus. I've rejected the world. I don't need it anymore. I died in the waters of baptism. I died to needing the world's approval. I don't care about looking dumb because I've already decided to be a fool for Christ. I don't care about being laughed at. I just want to have the last laugh. I just want to laugh in heaven. Let them laugh now. I'm going to pray for them that they're not weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell for eternity. I don't, I'm not worried about being wrong because my faith is rooted in the Word of God. And the Word of God is not wrong. It's right. Amen? And uh, uh, um, I'm not trying to save my life because I've lost my life. I've already died. There was nothing the Sanhedrin could do to Peter and John to threaten them. 
because they'd already died. There's nothing you can take from me. I have already given it up. That produces boldness. And, and this is where I like sports because I think sports at times can be a great trainer of playing with fear and playing with boldness. And I remember for years I played basketball afraid. I played timid. I played holding back. But then there was a few moments, and I won't go into tell the story of the glory days, but there were a few moments where the fear was just gone. And I just went for it, and it was amazing. But too many of us, we follow Jesus afraid. We're just afraid. And it's miserable. But following Jesus in the spirit, fearing God and not man, is amazing. So they continued to warn them. Back to Acts chapter 4. They continued to command them. Like, we command you. They continued to threaten them. Stop speaking in the name of Jesus. But Peter responded, Judge for yourselves whether it's right to obey you or to obey God. In other words, you lose. You think you have the authority to tell this to me, but you don't. And we'll get into that in a minute in their prayer. We can't help speaking about it. We cannot stop. You know, uh, uh, Grayson was up at UMD, and uh, uh, Lee and Morgan are there now. We had staff meeting the other day. And uh, Lee and Morgan, well, they've told us to stop sharing in this one part of campus on Duluth. Stop sharing our faith. Stop talking about Jesus because it's the safe zone, which means no recruiting of anything going on. And, and you know, and, and we were, Grace, we looked like, who are they to tell you to stop talking about your faith in God? Right? Isn't this a, a America? Don't we have freedom of speech? It's like, you can't do that. You can't tell them to stop sharing their faith. In this, and it doesn't sound very safe to me. Let me bring you to the safe zone. That's Jesus. He's the safe zone. I'll give you a safe zone. Sheesh. And so they're not stopping. Let them take them to the student council authorities. Let them take them. Let's go to the Minnesota Supreme Court. Let's go to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Why? Because that ain't the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is in heaven, and that's whom we're obeying. Are you with me? Amen. Okay, so let's get into this prayer, the prayer of boldness. Um, you can take away our tax-exempt status. I've already lost all my money anyway. I gave it up in baptism as a church, right? Bring it. Chris Lewis is like, bro. <laughs> Edit it out. <laughs> okay. God will take care of us. Acts 4, 23. Okay, so they go back to the people. I love it. They went back to their own people. See, this is where my people are right here. I don't need to fit in with the world. You want to know why? Because I fit in right here. You, you have Jesus and you have accepted me and all my issues, and you know them. Okay, and they went back to their own people, and they went and they prayed. I want to talk about this prayer. First of all, it was a bold vision of God. They they prayed to God. Five. I forgot to write this down. I think it's like four or five verses of this prayer is devoted to who God is. One verse about a prayer for the church, and one verse to pray for the world, 
in four or five verses about who God is. Amen? I think that's the way our prayer should be. If once we get around who God is, then the prayers for ourselves and the prayers for the world is going to be rather short. Okay? So the, the bold vision of God. First, they said sovereign Lord. The word is despotes. It means unchallengeable power. Okay? Sovereign Lord. Unchallengeable power. So as they prayed, what were they reminding themselves of? Who really has the power? Right? Who really is in charge? Who really is the authority? It is sovereign Lord, not Jewish Sanhedrin, not King Herod, who died in a few chapters later because he thought he was God. Okay? Um, sovereign Lord, discipline, unchallengeable power. Lord of creation. They said, you've made the heaven and the earth. You made us. You made the sea. You made everything. You are Lord of creation. You made this stuff. Lord of revelation. Okay, you revealed through your word. You're, but you spoke by the Holy Servant through the mouth, Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. The apostles believed that the words, that the scriptures were not the words of David, but the words of the Spirit, the words of God through David. That's the same thing we believe. Okay, this is not the words of Paul, the words of Luke here in the book of Acts. This is the word of God spoken through these people. Okay, that theology is one of the places it's rooted in is right here. Okay? Um, you made, you spoke in the Lord of history. Now, this is interesting. It says, uh, uh, um, the nations are raging, the peoples, the kings of the earth, all this Herod, Pontius Pilate, they killed Jesus, but they realized that, you know what? It wasn't even Pilate and Herod. It's not even Anas, the high priest. You are the Lord of history. You are the Lord. Does that mean, and now, now we're not going to get into it, but we have this whole idea of God's sovereign will versus man's free will, and we like to go to one extreme or the other extreme, and the answer is in the middle? Yes, God wills that you become a disciple. That's his hope. That's his dream. That's his desire. That's his plan. Does that mean you have no choice? Of course you have a choice. You must choose to join that will. Does that mean you have more power than God? Stop, okay? No, of course not. But God wants your free will to come to him. So we can't separate these things out. It's always both and. That's, that's a deeper, think about that and ask questions. Okay, so, but he's the Lord of history. And then they said, Jesus, the conclusion was Jesus is Lord and none other. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord, rejecting all other lords in your life? I can't wait to hear those words come out of Cassie's mouth today and Alex's mouth. Jesus is Lord. This is their prayer. They had a bold vision of God, bold vision of the church. They said, they said Father, we need help. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Their vision of the people of God is that it should be a people speaking with parisia, without holding back, with great boldness. And it's so encouraging, church, to hear so many stories of you guys. You know what? I, didn't, I hadn't talked to that person for a long time, and I just talked to him about. I just, one of the brothers is like, he said he's talking to his friends. He's like, no, I'm not a very good recruiter, and I'm not a very good inviter. 
and I'm not a very good and all. I was like, well, you covered your bases. Uh, but I said, you just need to come and see and come and, you know, see what's going on. Come to church. Invite him to church. Amen? Okay. So boldness, speaking with great boldness. We're not ashamed of God. We're not ashamed of the word of God. We're not ashamed of Jesus. And we're not ashamed of God's people and God's church. And therefore, he's not ashamed of us. Hebrews 2.11, Jesus says, I'm not ashamed to call them my brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call you his sister. That's my sis right there. Because she's being like me. She's taking a stand. That's my brother. That's my little brother. I love that guy. Come here. Like, I guess that's my idea of what big brothers do. You know, love you, bro. Okay. Uh, in, in God, Hebrews 11 says that God is not ashamed to call us his people, Hebrews 11, 16. So where was this boldness sourced? So kind of a summary statement of our sermon. Not the conclusion, just a summary statement. Their boldness was sourced not in themselves, guys. Uh, and this was, I was confused as a young disciple. It's like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not bold. I'm, I'm timid. I'm afraid. They're like, it's not about you. If their boldness is sourced, number one, in the Holy Spirit, obviously. Amen? Number two, it's sourced in being with Jesus. Those men had been with Jesus. You, we need to be with Jesus every day. Number three, they chose to obey. Their source was choosing to obey God rather than men. When you choose, make that choice every day, every hour, then you'll be bold. And number four is an answered prayer. They prayed for boldness, and God answered their prayer. Okay? Most, that's, that's God, that's Jesus, that's spirit, and that's a little you. But there is a you part in it. You must choose to obey. Amen? And then a bold vision of change. Bold vision of God, bold vision of the church, and a bold vision of change. So they, they prayed, stretch out your hand, heal, perform miraculous signs and wonders. All, all that means is change the world. Change us. Change. Heal. Just like this cripple was changed. I'm changed. You're changed. Our neighborhoods are changed. The world has changed. The church has changed. Changed by your power. Powerful change. Collectively, our vision as a church is, for, is to restore who God is. Amen? Not this false puppet grandpa God that's just an angry God or just a, here, have whatever you want, God. The true God of the scriptures. Amen? To restore the gospel. You don't become a Christian by saying a prayer. You don't become a Christian by just coming to a moment of, believe God. Believe. Okay, Christian, now I can do whatever I want. That's not the gospel. The true gospel is you crucified Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. And then the response to the gospel is, therefore, repent. Follow, make Jesus Lord. Believe and be baptized into Christ. That's the true and full gospel. Amen? True Christianity. Um, rest restoring uh, later, it says that many priests became obedient to the faith. I mentioned that earlier. Um, Christianity got a bad rap in this day and age, right? People, don't, in general, don't like organized religion or Christianity. At least it's just full of hypocrisy, all this kind of stuff. Um, 
Let's give them something different. Huh? How about we say, no, let's go back to what Jesus did and what he called people to, and that's what we'll be. Amen? I think that would restore people's faith in Christianity. Uh, let's restore real love in unity. The world doesn't know how to get along with each other, especially when we differ on something. Let's, let's restore multicultural, multiracial unity in the people of God. Languages, peoples, races, nations, let's all get together and be one people. Yes, there's hurt. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's damage. But in Christ, there's forgiveness. And it's built on the blood of Jesus, not on the fact that we talk or think the same. Or we got the same skin color. It's wrong that there's black churches and white churches in America. That's wrong. There should be one church filled with black and white and red and yellow and old and young and poor and rich and uh, 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 whatever. Amen? That's God's church built on Christ. How about marriage and family? Marriage and family? Obviously, clearly under attack. Let's restore uh, marriage and family. Okay, how about you? Do you have a bold envision of change for your world? Amen?